Praise the Lord. I'd like to open with prayer this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you in intercessory prayer, Lord God, asking that you would heal those that this intercessory prayer group asked to be healed. Lord, we're prayer partners and prayer warriors here on this broadcast. We're sending up prayers for the lost, that they might find salvation. We're sending up prayers, Lord God, and interceding on behalf of those that are ill and that need healing. We know, Lord God, it is written that the prayer of the faith will save the sick. Those are your words, Lord. And we know that the gospel says that the Lord will raise them up. And if we are committed sins, that our Lord will forgive us. So we let go of all uh, unforgiveness, resentment, anger, bad feelings towards everyone around us. Lord, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we desire this day, this Sabbath day, to be in good health. And for those that we seek prayer for to be in good health, we seek truth that will make us free and those that we pray for, that those that we intercede on behalf to be free of whatever sickness binds them. And we loose their, their spirit, we loose their heart from that sickness right now in the name of Jesus, both spiritual and natural. We bring back for myself good eating habits, the medications if necessary to and appropriate to help with our good health. You bought me and all of us here on this broadcast at a price. Your blood, your death. And we desire to, be, to glorify you in our spirit and our bodies. For they both belong to you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your word to heal us and deliver us from all the destructions. Jesus, you are the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. You are the one who said that the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous could go out and by your word, we could lay hands upon the sick and they would recover. We ask prayer for Romy, for April, and yes, for Brother Al as well, for his worry. For all those that, that have loved ones that are sick. Right now, if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you have a loved one that is sick, for those that are in Ukraine and those that are in Turkey and in Syria that are hungry or, or, or still buried in that rubble, that, Lord, a light of beam would shine from that person up that they could be found. We pray for this world, Lord God, for it is truly lost. You bore our griefs, Lord, our pains, and you, you carried our sorrows. 
our sicknesses. You were pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Chastised and my well-being and our well-being fell upon you and by your scourging by your stripes we are healed. Father, we give our attention to your words and incline our ears to your sayings. We will not let them depart from our sight, but we will keep them in the, in the midst of our hearts, and for they are life and health to the healing of our whole body. We pray, Lord God, today for all those that are in need of healing. In the world disasters, whether it be a world disaster like an earthquake or whether it be a world disaster of mental health, whether it be a world disaster of, uh, of stroke or, or, or whatever it may be, Lord God, we're praying for those souls right now. We're putting everything we have into that right now. All the power, the supernatural power that God has given us through prayer, we put back in to that prayer to go to the Lord. Hear our words, O Lord, as we pray for the sick and for the lost. Let us put our words together. Let us put our faith together to heal the sick and to bring the lost unto salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, praise God. I'm going to be in the book of Acts. And I'm going to skip around a little bit in chapter 27. But we're going to end up in, in, in Acts chapter 28 if you'd like to go there. <coughs> Acts 20, uh, uh, chapter 27. And when it was determined that we should sail unto Italy, they delivered Paul and a certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into the ship, of, of uh, we launched, meaning to sail by the coasts of Asia, one Aristarchus, Macedonia and Thessalonia, being with us. The next day we touched at Sidian, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go into his friends to refresh himself. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea, Silica of, boy, these names, Pamphylia, we came to Myra, the city of uh, Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were coming over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salome, and hardly passing it, came into a place which is called their fair havens, uh, nigh whereunto was the city of Lassia. Now, I don't do well with names. When much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished then 
and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also to our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not uh, commodious to winter in, the more by the means it might attain to the, the Phoenicians, and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had attained their purpose, losing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a temperous wind uh, called Euryclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her dive. And running under the certain is land, which is called Clada, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding, undergirding the ship. Now, undergirding is where they take a, a thick rope, uh, sometimes chains, and they'll start at the front of the boat, and some diver will dive underneath the boat, pulling that rope or that chain underneath, and come up on the other side, and then they'll snug it, and then they'll crank it until it, it literally pulls tight underneath the boat. And they'll do this like every two feet all the way from the front to the back. It's called undergirding. Uh, fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, straight sail, and so were driven. And we began exceedingly tossed with the tempest in the next day and lightened the ship. They threw everything overboard that they couldn't use or didn't need. On the third day, we cast out with our own hands and tackling of the ship. That's the undergirding. And then neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, we should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosened from Crete, and to be gained this harm and loss. And I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night has come as we were driven up and down in Adria about midnight, the shipmen being that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone the little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. And fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast <coughs> four anchors out in the stern and wish for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, under the, the color, as though they were have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, he cannot be saved. These Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. 
And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an heir fall from a hair fall from your head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to the God in presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And we were all in the ship, two hundred, threescore, and six souls. And when they had the, eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out on the wheat into the, sheet, the sea. And when it was day, they knew not of the land that they had discovered a certain creek uh, with a shore into which they were minded. Um, and then they had taken up the anchors. They committed themselves unto the sea and loosened the rudder uh, bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and failing, falling into the place where two seas met, they ran the ship around and forepart. And the soldiers' counsels was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose, and the commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. And the rest, some of the boards of some of the broken pieces of the ship, and so it came to pass, and they were escaped all safe to land, as God had kept his, the vision. Now we're into chapter 28. And when they, had, they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the bar, barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, now this is the important portion of this scripture. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came out a viper of the heat and fastened upon his hand. He was snake bit. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man was a murderer whom thou he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast unto the fire, and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen and fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while, and saw no harm come unto him, they changed their minds, and said that he was a god. In the same quarters were... Uh, possessions and chief man of the island, whose name was Publicus, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. Okay, so out of all that scripture in Acts, um, remember, remember that where we are is in Matthew twenty, Matthew sixteen, verse eighteen, nineteen, about the church, uh, the the church, the body, and the cross. And then we're in Acts 28, and, and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them in the fire, there came out a viper out of the heat and fastened upon his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast 
hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea and not died, yet vengeance suffered not to live. And he shook off the beast unto the fire and felt no harm. Nothing happened to him. Isn't that what God said? You can walk in scorpions and nothing and, and, and snakes and nothing will happen to you. Okay. So anytime that, that you build a spiritual fire, the enemy will show up. I mean, you felt that yourself, right? You start going to church, you start praying, you start reading your Bible. And that's kind of building a fire, right? And anytime you build that fire, the enemy is going to show up and try to go against you. Satan appears because he cannot stand the heat that you are applying towards him. You know, everything is going good. And then all of a sudden something comes against you. You know, that's just, that's what we're talking about here. Satan is real. And he has a kingdom here on this earth. And it, it is a kingdom of darkness. So you're listening to Spiritual Awareness with Pastor Davenport. I've got it. People have been emailing me say, you're, you're, you need to be taking care of business here. So if you're new to our broadcast, we are an Arizona 501c3 nonprofit prayer ministry. A spirit-filled, Bible-believing beacon of light. A non-denominational ministry serving the Lord Jesus Christ from both Gospel of Faith Church in Ash Fork, Arizona. Which, by the way, is on fire for Jesus Christ right now. I'm telling you, you need to go. If you're in the area of Ash Fork, Arizona or Seligman or... Or anywhere like that, Williams, go down and uh, feel the feel the Holy Ghost, um, and and we serve right here at this worldwide broadcast studio here in Fort Mojave, Arizona, where uh, we're serving over 31 different countries and provinces around the world, and that's it. You know, we 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 have the spiritual fire going on, and the devil throws things right and left, right and left. Colossians 1, 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his, his dear son. It's a, it's, a, it's a deal of darkness versus light. Say it with me. Darkness versus light. Sin and unrighteousness versus holiness and righteousness. Deception versus truth. Sickness versus disease. Healing and health, sorrow and death versus joy and life. Amen. It is an influential, influential kingdom. <coughs> and the devil, verse 5, and the devil taking him up into the high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world. Whoa, that's something somewhere. So Satan had power of opposition. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let's say it together. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Say it again. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Satan had the power of temptation, but... Say, but, but 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to mankind. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. God will not give you more than you can take. Remember that old saying? God will not give you more than you can handle. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that temptation, that ye may be able to bear it. Satan had the power of affliction. But in Psalms 34 verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. So you may be going through that rough spot right now, but God already has the answer to bring you out of it. If you'll just take the time to pray through it, pray through of it. You may be going through it right now, but pray to come out the other side. Satan had the power of death, but in John eleven twenty five. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. Hallelujah. Though they shall live. In Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, hallelujah. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with a new tongue. They shall take up certain serpents. And it, if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Praise Jesus. Now listen to me. When you lay hands upon the sick, you can close your eyes in your prayer closet and you can see that person standing right there in front of you. You can lay hands upon that person and you can pray the sickness from that person in Jesus name. They shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover in Jesus name. Why do we not believe the word of Almighty God? So when Satan comes out of the fire and fastens himself to you, here's what you need to do. Ignore him. He has no power. You're covered in the blood of Jesus. Amen. You're covered in the blood of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, You're covered in the blood of the lamb. Paul didn't talk about a viper or seek sympathy from others. He gave it uh, no undue attention. The devil loves attention. And he wants us to focus on the viper instead of building the fire. Shake him off. Shake him off. The best way to shake off the devil is with praise and worship. Because your mouth is the center of the spiritual warfare in life. Your mouth is the, the, just begin to praise and begin to pray. Begin to just give God glory. Ooh, somebody needs to lift their hands to heaven and give a shout to the Lord. Amen and amen. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In Joel 3.10, Joel 3.10, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. 
Let the weak say I am strong. Throw him in the fire. In other words, what it's saying is don't give the devil his dues. It's a little d. Don't give the devil his dues. You just look, you, you just say, devil, get the hints. I rebuke you in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you throw him in the fire. Paul threw the viper back into the fire whence it came. And the very thing it was trying to escape in the first place. The fire, the fire, listen to me. The fire is the Holy Ghost, the supernatural power of Almighty God. So when you the devil shows up, just turn up the heat, hallelujah. Turn up the fire and say, I'm filled with the fire of God because I'm under the blood of Jesus and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost of, of, of Almighty God, the supernatural power of God. In Isaiah 59, verse 19, so... So shall they fear the name of the Lord for the West and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up the standard against him. Hallelujah. Continue your ministry. Ooh-wee. Lord, praise you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. He's the, he's the Lamb of God. So we continue our ministry. Paul didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss a beat because of this viper. In fact, his deliverance opened doors for him to pray for the sick on the island because Paul refused to be distracted by the devil. Even the devil's plan to destroy him became an opportunity for revival. Hallelujah. Never retreat. Never retreat. So in this last, I think it's 10, in this last part of this series, the church, the body, and the cross, is principle 15. Pray the promises of God. Pray the promises of God, Acts 29, today. During this series, we've been studying the various principles that brought miraculous, miraculous, say it with me, miraculous growth to the first century church. And by now you should know that the church is not the building, it's the people in it. Miraculous miracles to the church. So, God brought miracles to the church. And he can still do that today. He can bring miracles throughout this broadcast. If you listen, if you pray. We often mistakenly think that we are waiting on God. But in reality, God is waiting on you and me. When Israel was at a standstill facing Goliath, they, they were all hoping that God would do something. But God did nothing. God did nothing until a young boy named David did something. And then God intervened. But he was waiting for someone, someone like you, to make a move. We need to let the book of Acts 
become more than just a book in the Bible. More than a book of church history. We need the book of Acts to come alive in our church. We need to pray it until it becomes reality for each and every one of us. Take the key verses of revival and grow. Let it become growth and pray them until they actually happen in our church, in our community, in our, in our towns, in our states, in our country. Why would we pray the word of God together? Oh my goodness. The word of God is a rich and effectual prayer language. It moves. So often when we pray, we pray the problem instead of the answer. But the word of God is the answer. And praying back to God, the truths he has given us increase our faith and teach us how to pray. Effectually. Praying. Corporately. Promotes agreement. And then we come in one accord before God. Jesus said in Matthew 21 verse 13. That his house is to be a house of prayer. Say it with me. A house of prayer. That should be a number one activity of all churches. Maybe we pray in different ways. More formally in one church. And yet not so formally in another. But the prayer should be the same. In whatever language. In whatever custom. But the prayer should be the same. In fact, his last command to the church in Luke chapter 24 verse 49. Was to go and hold a prayer meeting. The early church was birthed. In a prayer room. And it grew up in a constant prayer meeting. An extraordinary power. Is released when a group of Christians pray in agreement. Over a period of time. About the same thing. I remember in Phoenix. A bunch of us. Pastors put on a. Charismatic. Prayer meeting. Revival. We had probably. Eight, nine hundred different young people. Many, many, many were Catholic. Charismatic Catholic. What a revival. It was a two-day revival. And so many came to the Lord and, and, and got saved that day. And that next day. You see, there's an extraordinary power that is released when, when a group of Christians begin to pray in, in, in one accord, in, in agreement over a period of time about the same thing. When we get on board with each other and understand whatever words are used, whether they're formal or informal. If we're praying for the same thing, God hears. Jesus said it in Matthew 21, 13. That his house was to be used as a house of prayer. That should be the number one activity of every church. And a church, a church that does not recognize prayer or church without prayer is a dead church. His last command to the church in Luke chapter 24 verse 49 was to go and hold a prayer meeting. I said it before. 
prayer scripture helps us pray with kingdom agenda. Often our personal prayer agendas range from better jobs to new cars to help me win the lottery. <laughs> I've had that happen too. <clears throat> Bless this ticket, Lord. But Jesus always prayed about kingdom things. When we pray the word of God, we can be sure we are praying in the will of God. Praying the word of God invites the spirit of God. That's supernatural power. There is a, a, a resident anointing in the scripture that brings the presence of God. And as we make an effort to pray God's way, say it with me, pray God's way. Let's say it again. Pray God's way. He will lead us in even more effective levels of prayer. In John 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Say that with me. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Now that's Jesus speaking. Jesus was talking to the disciples saying, I have to go up. I have to go to heaven. But my Father will send a Comforter which is the Holy Ghost. And he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Many people understand baptism, but they don't understand receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now the book of Acts, in closing, the book of Acts is unfinished because the acts of the Holy Ghost through God's people are unfinished. Unfinished, excuse me. We're writing Acts chapter 29 today. So let's make it a good chapter. What do you say? How will you write that last chapter in the book of Acts? And will your name be written in the Lamb's book of life? I wonder. Think about it. God has given you an assignment to help write Psalm Acts, excuse me, Acts 29. Think about it. What would you write? This ends this series. But that's your homework to help write Acts 29. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face to shine upon you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would bring wisdom, wisdom and knowledge through the Holy Spirit unto each and every listener of this broadcast, that we would all have an understanding and a knowledge of your word. 
that we would not write of our future, but that we would write through the anointing of the Spirit, the last chapter in the book of Acts, of how mankind came back to God. God bless you all. Amen and amen. I ask God's blessing on each and every. So, God brought miracles to the church. And he can still do that today. He can bring miracles throughout this broadcast. If you listen, if you pray. We often mistakenly think that we are waiting on God. But in reality, God is waiting on you and me. When Israel was at a standstill facing Goliath, they, they were all hoping that God would do something. But God did nothing. God did nothing until a young boy named David did something. And then God intervened. But he was waiting for someone, someone like you, to make a move. We need to let the book of Acts become more than just a book in the Bible. More than a book of church history. We need the book of Acts to come alive in our church. We need to pray it until it becomes reality for each and every one of us. Take the key verses of revival and grow. Let it become growth and pray them until they actually happen in our church, in our community, in our, in our towns, in our states, in our country. Why would we pray the word of God together? Oh my goodness. The word of God is a rich and effectual prayer language. It moves. So often when we pray, we pray the problem instead of the answer. But the word of God is the answer. And praying back to God, the truths he has given us increase our faith and teach us how to pray. Effectually. Praying. Corporately promotes agreement. And then we come in one accord before God. Jesus said in Matthew 21 verse 13. That his house is to be a house of prayer. Say it with me. A house of prayer. That should be a number one activity of all churches. Maybe we pray in different ways. More formally in one church. And yet not so formally in another. But the prayer should be the same. In whatever language. In whatever custom. But the prayer should be the same. In fact, his last command to the church in Luke chapter 24 verse 49 was to go and hold a prayer meeting. The early church was birthed in a prayer room. And it grew up in a constant prayer meeting. An extraordinary power is released when a group of Christians pray in agreement over a period of time about the same thing. I remember in Phoenix, a bunch of us 
pastors put on a charismatic prayer meeting revival we had probably eight nine hundred different young people many 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 were catholic charismatic catholic what a revival it was a two-day revival and so many came to the Lord and, and, and got saved that day and that next day. You see, there's an extraordinary power that is released when, when a group of Christians begin to pray in, in, in one accord, in, in agreement over a period of time about the same thing. When we get on board with each other and understand whatever words are used, whether they're formal or informal, if we're praying for the same thing, God hears. Jesus said it in Matthew 21, 13, that his house was to be used as a house of prayer. That should be the number one activity of every church. And a church, a church that does not recognize prayer or church without prayer is a dead church. His last command to the church in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, was to go and hold a prayer meeting. I said it before. Prayer scripture helps us pray with kingdom agenda. Often our personal prayer agendas range from better jobs to new cars to help me win the lottery. <laughs> I've had that happen too. <clears throat> Bless this ticket, Lord. But Jesus always prayed about kingdom things. When we pray the word of God, we can be sure we are praying in the will of God. Praying the word of God invites the spirit of God. That's supernatural power. There is a, a, a resident anointing in the scripture that brings the presence of God. And as we make an effort to pray God's way, say it with me, pray God's way. Let's say it again. Pray God's way. He will lead us in even more effective levels of prayer. In John 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Say that with me. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. Now that's Jesus speaking. Jesus was talking to the disciples saying, I have to go up. I have to go to heaven. But my Father will send a comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Many people understand baptism, but they don't understand receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, the book of Acts, in closing, the book of Acts is unfinished because the acts of the Holy Ghost through God's people are unfinished. Unfinished, excuse me. We're writing Acts chapter 29 today. So let's make it a good chapter. 
what do you say how will you write that last chapter in the book of acts and will your name be written in the lamb's book of life I wonder think about it God has given you an assignment to help write song acts excuse me acts 29 think about it what would you write this ends this series but that's your homework to help write Acts 29. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face to shine upon you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would bring wisdom, wisdom and knowledge through the Holy Spirit unto each and every listener of this broadcast, that we would all have an understanding and a knowledge of your word, that we would not write of our future, but that we would write through the anointing of the Spirit, the last chapter in the book of Acts, of how mankind came back to God. God bless you all. Amen and amen. I ask God's blessing on each and